Support Your Life Living, a podcast about the life of a 20-something, the fuck-ups and learnings and real-life inspiration, how you and I can make the very most out of our 20s. Hello, my name is Olivia and I'm your host for the Quartz Life Living podcast. I'm just a regular 20-something who's perhaps going through a Quartz Life crisis and maneuvering all the ups and downs of my 20s and one of the major struggles, but also one of the most beautiful journeys I had so far or experiences was moving abroad and being an expat. So I'm very excited to have Nicole Palazzo on the podcast today. She did what many of us do in our 20s or maybe dream to do someday. She moved abroad across the globe um, from America to Germany to live in a country where she didn't speak the language, basically just for a job opportunity. Uh, She didn't know what would expect her and met some struggles along the way, but also some great co-expats who helped her to get through the rough patches. At some stage, she decided to document her and her guests' journeys on her podcast, The Expatcast, which is a great podcast I've listened in. And having lived abroad and been an expat myself, I definitely, as I said, would have wished for something like this at that stage. So listen in to hear us chat about Nicole's story, her struggles of being an overly academic college student telling her parents about moving abroad and the ups and downs of expat life i hope you enjoy listening to this episode be sure to subscribe and follow the quartz live living podcast on spotify itunes apple podcast what you want to call it on google podcast all the popular podcast apps you can share episodes in your instagram stories if you don't know about that and hop on over to instagram under at quarter life living podcast drop me a dm or a comment under a picture and enjoy listening to this lovely chat and episode Hello, Nicole, and thank you for joining the Quartz Life Living podcast. I'm very excited to have you on. We just had a chat for your podcast, the Expat Podcast. Do you want to just give me a quick introduction to yourself and what you're up to at the moment? And it is so good to be on your show. Thank you for having me. So as said, my name is Nicole. I'm from originally Philadelphia, Pennsylvania in the U.S. For a little while, also lived in South Carolina, and then I moved to Chicago in Illinois, and now I'm living in Freiburg, Germany. And I always give my biography very geographically focused now because I'm so used to all of our discussions centering around, oh, where are you from? All this kind of stuff. So I've been living in Germany for about two years now. Um, and as you said, I, I host a podcast where I talk with other expats about their experience living um, in either the German-speaking world or beyond. Um, so again, lots of geography t- topics in my life. <laughs> and what about career-wise? What are you up to? I am a librarian. So I've always loved books and always wanted to work with them in some way, shape, or form. Um, a couple of years back, I discovered libraries as a career path because somehow for me like I've been a patron of libraries my whole life but I never thought about the fact that you could just work for them and that it might be really great (laughs) 
So I figured that out at some point. And then um, in the U.S., you have to get your master's in library and information science in order to work in a library in any capacity beyond shelving the books, like putting them physically back on the shelves. Wow. If you do anything more than that, you have to get this degree. So I did that. Um, and I have been lucky enough to be able to continue my career in libraries here in Germany as well. Awesome. That sounds super exciting. And I can't wait to, to find out more about how you got there. But before we do that, I want you to take me back to your early 20s, because we're going to discuss all your 20s and the, the fuck ups and learnings you've gone through. So can you take me back to your early 20s? What were you up to there? What were you doing? What was your life? What did it look like? Yeah. Yeah, so this I was living in, in South Carolina on the coast, which was really wonderful and pretty. Um, however, I had moved there for college. Um, it was supposed to be a four-year institution, and I quickly realized that a lot of the people who went to the school were there because they liked hanging out at the beach or going sailing, um, and they all really liked drinking and um, you know, when you're 20, I feel like you can party with and have fun and not think about things too much. But after a certain point, I was like, oh, actually, I, I went to college because I was really excited about people being so serious about academics and all this stuff. And I didn't love the social part of it. And so my solution, because I'm a giant nerd, as it's going to become very clear, um, <laughs> I wanted to like avoid the weird social situation. So I just signed up for a bunch of classes and um, through that, I accidentally graduated college in three years instead of four. Um, it sounds really impressive, and it and it is impressive, but I really honestly mostly did it by accident. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you call it an accident. Yeah. Everybody else would call it an achievement. <laughs> yeah, and it was. I'm, I'm trying not to discredit myself, but honestly, it was not a plan. <laughs> um, it was just uh, luck of the draw, I guess, that it worked out that way. And yeah, and then it was also really the, the string of luck continued because um, I finished college over the summer. And one of the things I was doing in that summer was a part-time job at this startup. And as soon as I finished my classes, they um, offered me a position full-time. And then the next two years of my life, I worked for them and pretty much every three to four months would get promoted and have a new position and, and, um, and a raise. So it was really great. I mean, I, I think I look back at that era from when I was like 21 to maybe 23 or 24 and I was really impressive <laughs> in a lot of ways that um, other people assign you know, meaning to other people's achievements. Um, like, uh, you know, my friends were always asking me, oh, how did you, how did you do this? Like, this is so incredible that you got such a good job and that you're so successful in it. You know, my parents were like, oh, it's so great. We don't have to worry about you. You're, you're earning a great living. You're on your way to a good career. Um, so that stuff felt really nice, but the culture in that work environment was not so great. And, um, I stopped liking it after a certain point, but I also was so all encompassed by the environment. You know, work was everything. My friends were my coworkers. Um, work was also this thing that had given me so much clout 
you know what I mean? Like so many people respected me for it. And um, I really sort of bought into that for a while. Um, but actually, this is when libraries came into my life because I made the deal with myself. Um, at some point, I realized I'm, I'm really not happy and I need to make changes. And there is a life beyond this company. So I made a deal with myself that every every day that I felt frustrated beyond what I considered a acceptable range, um, I would do one thing to change my life, to figure out what I want it to do. So it didn't always have to be big things. I mean, later on down the line, it would be like applying to grad school. Um, but in the early days of that, it was so simple as walking into the public library and just asking the people there about their job. And that's actually how I found my career path in libraries. Um, wow. Yeah. Can I can I just hook in there because there's so many like great bits in there already and I want to know more about so you mentioned that you kind of struggled in college you kind of had different expectations and kind of unmet expectations is something I've struggled with in the past when you kind of expect one thing to happen but it actually turns out to be completely different how did you feel at that stage in college where things kind of turn out differently and how did you deal with it in that situation? I was pretty frustrated and felt a little bit like I'd been promised things that were not really true. You know, I think I thought I've, I've always been a really mature person and I thought going to college was when I was finally going to fit in with my peers and for the first two years of college, I think I did try to just fit in. And after a certain point, I had to admit like, no, I, I really don't. Like they're, they're just interested in things that I'm not interested in. But it was upsetting because um, I didn't really see any other groups that I could go join. You know, I, I wasn't seeing another path that fit me. It felt like there wasn't one there and I was going to have to build one, which, you know, in retrospect, taught me a lot and, and made me a stronger person. But at the time, I didn't feel excited about that. I felt upset. I felt, um, you know, I felt shortchanged in many ways by by what I expected this this era to be. And I felt like I kept seeing so many people around me so happy with it. And I kept thinking, what's wrong with me that I'm not? Totally know how you feel. And did anything help you get out of that situation? Or did it kind of mm, kind of fix itself once you started working? Or yeah, what? where did you go from there on out? Well, I managed to weed out a lot of bad friendships in my life after a certain point. Um, the process of doing that was really lonely. It was a lot of Friday nights in that weren't by choice. It was through lack of other options. Um, but at the other end of that, I had this core group of just a handful of people, but I did really like them and we connected and um, I um, had a boyfriend at the time who was really wonderful and um, I felt like my world became smaller, but I became more fulfilled within it um, and it wasn't enough long term. So in total, I was living in that town for five years. Um, and I, by the time it was over, I was so done with even the small world that I'd built. I was really ready for more, but it did help me kind of come to peace with it and sort of just focus on the things that were good and ignore the parts that weren't really meshing with me. And where did you find those friends? 
they were my roommates. I just, <laughs> I, had, I took the lazy route and um, sort of looked around me, I guess. No, I, I had been um, in a group of friends that was a lot of partiers and I decided to stop partying right. um, and that cut out a lot of people. And so it was basically just the, um, the people that were left once I stopped basing these friendships around drinking and partying. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. you can, even if you don't really have a strong relationship, then you at least can build, you know, it's just really hard to build with people when it's all based on chasing some kind of high, some kind of experience. Yeah. I totally know what you mean. And I had a couple of those, those friends in my early twenties as well, who basically all I did was go out with and nothing else nothing kind of deeper in the relationship and I didn't realize it actually for quite a while with yeah someone. right <laughs> and I th- I just find it's amazing how people react when you tell them I mean I do go out very rarely now but um <laughs> but even when you tell people at a party like no I'm not drinking right now and they're just like what you weirdo and I don't know it's so weird how society sees that as normal yeah totally and I was in this group of friends we actually the, the partiers we met because they smoked cigarettes um, I didn't but I just found that these were people who liked to hang out outside and talk and so that's how I became their friend and so right. I was always a misfit I never really fit in with them but um, it was this weird thing like they would all smoke weed and then get high and um, and then we could relate when I was just sober, but they were a little stoned, um, which is not really a great sign for building meaningful relationships that half of, you know, like one of the parties needs to be under an influence. Um, yeah. And then, and it all built from there. And I just kind of found out, like, I thought that it was kind of funny at the time, but then I found out like a lot of these people were into much harder stuff. And I, I was never that way. I mean, all I ever did was drink. And so to be in environments where I was, um, outcast not outcasted because they still let me you know hang out but um where I was the weird one because I wasn't smoking weed or doing harder drugs um yeah it was weird and it's not what I expected I grew up in like a really sheltered environment so going to college and and finding myself in that situation was a an eye-opener which I said that's why I threw myself into school I thought then I have an excuse not to be around these people because I'm just so busy studying and then um, to throw myself into a career and really build that, which is a really healthy, productive way to channel all of that for sure. However, at the time, it definitely felt really lonely. And, you know, as much as now I can say that these friendships were built on very little, at the time, they were almost all I had for a while. And so yeah. I, there were connections that meant something to me at the time. So then you actually had quite an academic success. Um, people would say from the outside, I guess. Yeah. Um, and you you don't see it maybe as much as, as other people, but how did that impact your life and your friendships as well and your relationships uh, to other people? Well, I also met more people in my classes then. I spent more time with them because we would have two or three classes together. Mm. Um, one of the coolest things that I did back then was um, one of my, I, I majored in English and literature and writing. And um, in my writing class, we had a really wonderful group. And I, I didn't want it to end, but I, I was a little shy about friendships at the time because of all of this that was going on for me. 
Um, but one of the other people in the class reached out to me because I wanted to start a writing group to continue after the class ended. And so there were only maybe four or five of us. And it was pretty clear, you know, we were there to work. Um, but it also led to some friendships. And that was really cool to be a part of. Um, and it was also my first experience that you could like people, but also work with them because we were all really productive at the time. Like I started a novel that I then finished writing. Several of them did the same. Um, and it was really great in, in that sense. I did find my more academic people, you know, the people that were more, more serious about what we were studying. You wrote a novel. Wow. What's yeah. it about? What's it about? And can we find it somewhere? No, I never did. I never published it. Um, It's a young adult novel, and I still really like it, and I would like to try to publish it. But um, I don't know about you, but I have this weird thing with a lot of creative <laughs> projects where I really like to do creative things, but as soon as it comes to sharing them with people, I'm like, oh, you know what? It's okay. I'll just It can just stay as a file on my computer. So, Right. Um, <laughs> we, just, we literally just talked about how difficult it is to – yeah. I mean, that's basically the difficult thing about the podcast as well. It's like creating something, putting it out there, and then just being like, all right, what are people going to think of this? Like, you literally, and you only get about 10% or even less of the opinions, I think. Like, a lot of people yeah. listen and don't comment or say anything. And you, so I, I would go and meet people at parties and they'd be like oh I listen to your podcast like it's really cool and I'm like really you listen and like <laughs> and and you literally don't know what the reaction is like yeah so but maybe I can encourage you to publish it or at least share it with some some friends I think yeah I would like to I at the moment the podcast takes up so much of my time I mean you know as well as anyone yeah. that it's a really <laughs> time intensive uh hobby or project what have you um but it's always sitting in the back of my mind and and I started another novel after that like writing's always been a thing I, I love and want to do um so I think that's you know, to, not to jump to my current 20s, but that's sort of a goal for me in the next couple of years is to get back to that because that was part of my early 20s that I really loved. And I'm a bit bummed that I sort of left it there. Yeah, yeah. I'm the exact same with dancing. I used to dance when I was younger. And then I kind of gave it up when I went to college because I was like, I have to study now. I have to be serious now and all that. I don't know what came over me because... Yeah, basically, you can have hobbies as well. You don't just <laughs> you don't just have to go out and drink. And um, but at the time, basically, all I did was study and drink. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, I'm over that stage now. But um, yeah, you kind of you went on. Then you already kind of shared with me to work in a full time job at a startup. So can you maybe tell me a bit about more about that? Like, how did you even get that job? And how was it kind of working in that startup quick paced environment, which is also where I've worked in the past? I'm so glad you asked how I got that job because I, I haven't told this story in a while, but it's one of my favorites. So this summer when I was realizing, oh, my, my college career is going to come to an end sooner than I thought, um, I'll have to make money somehow. What should I do? I 
thought it would be really cool to be um, a pizza delivery person. <laughs> I thought it sounded, it sounded fun. So I was on um, Craigslist is a website in America that's huge for jobs, for housing. It's just like a place so you can list um, something locally. You can sell your furniture on Craigslist. You can find roommates on Craigslist, all of it. So I, you wouldn't find very serious jobs on Craigslist typically, but you would find things like pizza delivery. So I was on there in their part-time job selection, looking through what was available. And I couldn't find any pizza delivery jobs, but I found a fried chicken delivery job, which I was pretty excited to apply to. <laughs> <laughs> and underneath that one was this job as a copy editor. and. I was like, oh, that seems more serious, but also like something that would make sense for me. I guess I'll apply to that one too. Um, but I was really holding out for the fried chicken job. Um, I didn't hear back from the fried chicken job, but I did end up interviewing and getting this copywriting job. That's crazy. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Especially you just graduated in that topic. <laughs> right? I don't know. I, I guess it hadn't. At this time, I was still in classes, so I wasn't thinking like I'm looking for a serious job. I just thought I was looking for some kind of short-term solution, so it was not even on my radar, mm. and I think that's really something I've noticed about my life is I am very accomplished, and I work hard to do those things, but a lot of the time, I'm kind of just this little, like, I'm a little airy sometimes. Like, I just, things happen, and then I'm like, oh, okay, I guess we'll do this, and that's totally, that's how it graduating early happened. That's how finding this job happened. It just stumbled across my way. And, you know, I, I had a part in that, right? I, I took the initiative and made something of it. But um, the opportunity was totally just luck. And right. yeah, so so I worked a couple months part time uh, as an editor. And as I said, once I finished my degree, they had a full time position open at the next level. And then at this time, I think maybe there were 20 or 30 people working for the company, but it quickly grew to 35, 40, and my boss went somewhere else. So I became my boss. Then a couple months later, I became the, no, this was it. A couple of months later, the guy who did the training program left. So then I became the trainer and then they decided they wanted a marketing department. So I just became the marketing department <laughs> and it all just sort of happened. And like, I just, even though I was only there a little under two years total, I was one of the most long lasting people there. This company hired and fired people really easily. Mm. If you were a software developer, they treated you totally differently than yeah. your, you know, king <laughs> of the god. world. You're god. Yep. Coincidentally, it was an all white male department. Oh no, they had one Asian guy. But yeah, it um it was very homogenous. Um <laughs> and then they had these young mostly women doing these the other half of the work, right? Like customer service and putting the content together that went out on this on this uh platform. So, yeah, I definitely noticed that really early on. Um but in the early days, it, it was less of an issue for me because um, I was, I sort of stumbled into this world and was just really happy to go along for the ride. And when I saw people get hired and fired within three weeks, or I saw people who had worked there for a year get dropped on the dime because their 
family member died and they needed time off, I sort of looked the other way when those things happened and I just stayed on my path because my path was going really well for me. Mm. Over time, yeah, I really developed close friendships with a lot of the people I worked with. It was also, we knew about this. We were very aware that we're sort of bonding over our trauma of the culture of this place. Um, But we still bought into the whole thing somehow. Um, yeah. So it was a little complicated at that time. It was on one hand, I, I, I am someone who likes to achieve. I like to do a good job. I like to learn new things and be challenged. So this pressure that you get in this intense startup environment was really great. And it really brought out a lot of good things in me. But on the other hand, I still wasn't getting treated that well. And it didn't really matter how good I became at the job. I was still replaceable to them and I felt it so it was um definitely pros and cons but I decided at the time I just would write it out as long as I could (laughs) I feel like we had the exact same or very very similar experiences because I was also working in a startup for one and a half years and a lot happened like the culture we grew super fast the culture got super shitty once we had like marketing manager join who kind of yeah brought in I'm not gonna bad mouth too much but yeah it just (laughs) changed it changed the whole culture and um, I totally agree with the fact that people were bonding over the fact that yeah what was all going wrong and how much drama like was going on and I remember I quit my job and I was one of the first ones to quit kind of and going back a couple of months later or six months later and met up with some colleagues who were still there and they were still in this bubble of like drama 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 and in the meantime I had been like oh was it the right decision and stuff like that and then that just confirmed that like okay that was that like that's what actually went on behind the scenes so what happened after that and maybe before that what were kind of the biggest lessons you learned from working in that kind of environment I think what I learned from working there is that people should be respected I think I I think I learned a lot through the example of what shouldn't be done Um, and I saw the way that a lot of the executives or managers treated other people I saw the way people just turned the other way when bad things were happening. And I did that too. Um, And I think it was really eye-opening to learn, you know, even though I was young and inexperienced, I still had a worth and it was good to stand up for myself now and again. Um, Professionally, I learned a ton and I made a ton of connections. I got to go on some business trips, which felt really cool at the time. I think I, I, it taught me a lot about myself in that, you know, I can go down that road. It's, it's something that works pretty well with my personality to a point. Um, and it was good to sort of learn my limits with that. The way it ended, yeah, so I, I started to become unhappy with the job and the town I was living in. It was really small. I never really fit in there. Um, in America, there's a large divide between the North and the South. Um, I grew up in the North and I didn't really know. I wasn't really aware of how deep that divide was, but I, I, when I moved to the South, people would, you know, call me a Yankee and and say, you know, if you don't like it here, you can go back where you came from. Mm. Um, so I was really ready to move on. 
So again, I started taking those steps. Every day that I was pushed to my limits, I would then also do one thing to figure out what my next step should be. The company I was working for worked with libraries and librarians a lot. And so through my job, I was, I was training librarians how to use our service. And so I would start talking to them and say like, hey, what, what is your daily life like? And they all just seemed really happy and fulfilled in their work. And I thought, hey, maybe I could also be happy and fulfilled. What a crazy idea. (laughs) Again, then I went and talked to the local librarians um, in the town I was living in. And that sort of all culminated to this decision to go to grad school for libraries. Um, To get into school, I needed a recommendation, a, a couple letters of recommendation. So I wanted to ask my boss because I thought my professional experience is the most relevant example recently of of my work ethic and all of this professional stuff. Um, So I asked him if he'd write the letter. He said, yes. He said, thank you for telling me about your plans. You will have a job here until the day that you leave. Keep us posted on your progress. We're rooting for you um, and we support you. And he wrote a terrible letter, like not that he said bad things. He just put no effort into the letter. Mm. And um, I got into grad school, which was great. Um, I didn't tell them right away because things had changed from that conversation. They treated me totally differently. I noticed them wanting me to train more and more people to do my work. And um, then they asked me at one point, yeah, did you hear back from grad school? And I I didn't want to lie. So I told them, yeah, I got in. And a month and a half later, they fired me. (laughs) oh my Um, god yeah so all of this stuff about how I was you know supported and and it was you know I would have a job until I chose to leave I think we talked about maybe remote work and things like that I mean briefly they made no promises but all of that was total lies and bullshit and um yeah I couldn't couldn't say I was surprised to be fired um but it did feel a little shocking given at this point two years in, I could look around and, and count on one hand the employees that were still there as long as I was there. I said they hired and fired people so quickly that I thought I, I thought me lasting longer mattered more than it did. And of course, it's a bump to the ego. But what really upset me was I was counting on having this income to save up and, and pay for school, um, which I then lost out on. So yeah, it was a really messy end to a what seemed like a really promising beginning. Um, and I made peace with it pretty quickly. Like I was pretty over that whole scene anyway. So um, at the end of the day, it was just a problem with money. Um, but it's not how I saw things ending when I applied for my yeah. fried chicken delivery job. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah. And I mean, I don't think I've ever gotten fired. No, not really. Or, well, one job last year, which I only did very briefly, we kind of agreed for me to leave because we kind of both sides knew that it didn't feel right. But um, how did that feel for you? Because I've quit a few jobs and I've actually felt a bit of shame like towards that, like almost failure like not being able to hold down the job or I mean you were there for two years or so but obviously yeah that can just be kind of difficult so how was that in that moment for you? I had a feeling it was coming um, based on how they had acted historically and how they were treating me Um, 
I was more upset personally that they chose to go this route because my boss, um, I dog sat for him. We were never friends, but we were, you know, we had some level of a, con- a connection and um, knew each other pretty well. Like I, I trusted him more yeah. than I trusted the other people. And that turned out to be the trust was misplaced, right? I mean, he was in it for the business at the end of the day. So that upset me. Um, I remember feeling like I really didn't want to have to tell my parents because they were so proud of me. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you don't want to have to share that kind of news with them. Um, but <laughs> that day, oh, this is so funny. That day I was leaving early anyway because I was plan. I had planned to go to a local prison, a local youth prison <laughs> with the public library <laughs> because um, I'd built a relationship with the public librarians that I'd talked to about their career. And um, I was interested in working with teenagers in public libraries. So I became close with those um, people and they invited me along to show that, to show what they do. So they had this program where they brought books to the local prison and then based on how many pages each um, person in the prison had read they could get that written on their file and show the judge you know I'm committed to Mm. educating myself and what have you and so they wanted to show me how they do this program so I literally left getting fired and was like okay can I go like I have an appointment um left went to this prison with this lady and um I can't say I had time to think about it that day I was busy dealing with you know helping out at the at the prison so it was a really weird afternoon or a really weird day (laughs) but it really helped take a lot of the edge off because as said I I already had other future plans um I already had a feeling that this might happen it was definitely painful that it happened but I knew pretty quickly that it was mostly their loss and I was going to be fine yeah it was just a money problem at the end of the day the other downside was at this point I had moved into a studio apartment where I lived, you know, totally alone and my relationship had recently ended. Um, so all of a sudden, <laughs> this was right before my 24th birthday, I want to say. End of December, I my relationship ended. End of January or early February, I lost my job. And then my birthday was mid-February and I was just sitting alone in this apartment I could no longer afford. I didn't have roommates to turn to. I didn't have a boyfriend to turn to. And I was like, okay, um, this is it. This is my life right now. Um, But I honestly, what I remember then, I mean, I I definitely mourned those situations, but pretty quickly I I felt free. I felt Mm -hmm. like I could enjoy myself the last couple months before my lease ended. I felt like I could step back into who I was and start to unlearn a lot of the negative things that I'd learned at that company and in this town. So I, I don't know. I was kind of okay with it. I would definitely be way more upset if I'd lost other jobs. Um, but that one, it was kind of like, fine. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like the universe also pushes you into, into where you actually need to be you already had your kind of eyes on your whole librarian career and all that. And I think that was just like the universe being like, yep, you're ready. Like you can, you can move on from this shitty job or whatever to kind of skip forward after that. You went to grad school then, right? Correct. Yep. I moved to um, Chicago, which is a very big city. 
I'd always loved the city and I was, I had this like romantic feeling about it. So I was pretty excited that my grad school program was in Chicago. Um, yeah. And that sort of started the next chapter of my life. Awesome. Um, to fast forward a little bit, because you mentioned this when we were kind of chit-chatting beforehand, is the fact that at some stage then you obviously decided to move abroad, which is um, <laughs> how in the end your your expat cast um, basically came to life as well. Um, how did that come up? And um, yeah, why did you decide to then move abroad? I don't know, after you graduated? Yeah, so the shorter version of moving abroad, the shorter version of my reasons for moving abroad is for love. Um, actually, the last weekend that I lived in South Carolina, um, a boy asked me out. <laughs> and um, it was a boy who was from Germany. He was actually just visiting for a little bit and we'd connected. Um, so we started talking and that turned into a two-year-long, um, long-distance relationship. I was in Chicago and he was by Lake Constance in Germany. Um, he had tried to move to the U.S. for me while I was in grad school and it hadn't really worked out that well for him. Um, and so as I was reaching the end of my graduate program, I thought, okay, you know, he tried it for me and it didn't work. Um, I had at this point visited Germany and I loved it. Um, and our relationship was going strong. So of course I didn't want to continue living on a different continent from the person I loved. Um, the problem or the question was then, you know, love or career, because I, I had just gotten my master's. I, I didn't want to throw that away. I didn't want to do that all for nothing. Um, so I made a promise with myself that I would mo move to Germany if I could find a job where I still worked within libraries. Cue a very rigorous job hunt. Um, I was also applying to jobs back in the U.S. and it got to a point where I had the choice between uh, several jobs in Chicago, a couple of which were pretty um, impressive ones or high-paying ones, one of which was at the time probably my dream job, um, or <laughs> what was more or less a an internship in Germany that would last for a year and pay me just a couple hundred euros a month. Oh, um, yeah, <laughs> I chose that one. Spoiler. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but it was definitely a, a really tough choice. But honestly, since we've just hashed out so much of my experience at that startup and all, that's a lot of what helped shape my decision because I wanted that dream job. I wanted the impressive or the high paying jobs, of course, those sounded really tempting. And I said, I'm, I'm a hard worker. I like these kind of things. Mm. But I learned that those things weren't enough for me always. Yeah, that this drive only brought me to a certain point And I wasn't fulfilled after that. And this whole decision to go into libraries was to restructure my life into a way that worked for me better and gave me a better, more sustainable form of happiness. And the move to Germany felt like that. It felt like it would bring me closer to the life that I wanted. But also it was a huge gamble. And so I also sort of justified it by saying it was a one-year job. And if it was terrible, then I could always move back. Yeah. Libraries would still be there in America and I could still apply then. Um, or it turns out great and I can stay. Yeah. I feel like we have similar experiences because when I was in my early 20s, um, 
I also made one major decision to move to Sweden for one job and basically that was the only reason and then I quickly came to the realization you know just your career is not going to cut it is not going to fulfill you or make make up for everything else and I've talked about this on on my podcast before is that like there's so many different areas of your life that need to be full for you to be happy like where you live and your relationships your career and how you develop personally it's not just your career um so that's nice that we had similar experiences with that um where did you go from there then so i took this year-long internship it was in freiburg um, in germany Mm. my boyfriend and i moved in together and i started what would become my life in Germany, though I don't think I knew that at the time. Um, I'd been learning the language for as long as he and I had been together. Um, So my German was okay by the time I got here, um, but not great. I couldn't really work a full day in German, but I could do a little bit. Um, So I took the year to adjust to the culture and the lifestyle, um, to learn the language, to improve my, my language skills. And um, luckily, I loved where we ended up. Freiburg was also a sort of not a mistake. It was just a, just something that through a couple lucky inputs came across my computer screen. And I'd never been there. My boyfriend had only been there once for like a day. Um, it was pretty a pretty shot in the dark. Um, but I absolutely love this town. It fits me so well. Yeah, I mean, the first year of living abroad, though, for as many wonderful things as it brought me, it was really hard Mm. in a lot of ways. And I think I knew it would be, but of course, it hits everyone differently. And there's definitely a difference between knowing something and having lived it. (laughs) Yeah, Um, absolutely. And um, how did your family and friends kind of react um, to you moving so far away? Was it difficult to leave? Yeah, I mean, most of my friends were pretty supportive about it because either we already lived far apart from each other or my friends in Chicago had known me and my boyfriend the whole time that we were together and they could see that, you know, we had something really great going and they were happy that we would be able to be together. They knew that I loved Germany. They were excited for me to experience that. Um, My family, it was a little harder. My parents, especially. um, I... I thought that getting a job in a library in Germany was such a long shot that I, and I was so afraid that it wouldn't work that I didn't want to tell people, including my parents, that I was even trying to do this. I thought it would maybe get their, I I thought that they would be less than thrilled about my decision to move to a different country. Um, And I didn't want to get them worried over something that I was like, come on, what are the chances it actually happens? So I didn't even tell them that I was looking into these jobs, um, but they knew about the other jobs in the States that I'd applied to and that I'd received. And so I really blindsided them when I told them, oh yeah, I, I got the final offer from these three places that you already knew about, but I'm actually going to probably say no to them and take this low paying temporary job in Germany. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's not exactly the way you want to break that news. <laughs> 
Um, luckily, I have two incredibly loving and patient parents, and they, they cut me a lot of slack. We had some tough discussions, but their concerns were really just that I was going to be able to support myself and live a good life because they'd seen me struggle for the last couple of years in grad school, struggle to pay bills, struggle to get by, and they didn't want that for me. They wanted something better. And so this risky decision was worrisome for them, but they never were, they never had anything against me or my boyfriend or my decision at the end of the day it was they, they want what's best for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as I think that's something I'm going to regret my whole life is, is the manner in which I told them. I, I think it was just really irresponsible of me. Um, but I learned a lot from it. And I think it also gave us the chance to learn how to communicate better and how to mm. share our feelings more um, and sort of develop our relationship into a more mature adult parent-kid relationship. Um, I want to briefly go into, because you're already mentioned your money struggles and I think that a lot of us in our 20s um, have that maybe at times or it's kind of the first time that we have to deal with it by ourselves don't know how to deal with it and I'd sort of come to the realization that I also talk a lot about personal development and, and all that jazz but I think you can't go to that level if you don't have the basic financial stability so um have you kind of sorted that out for yourself how did you deal with those money struggles and do you have any yeah ways you sorted it for yourself experiences things you've learned about it yeah I mean after my two years of earning so much money at my full-time job in my early 20s I went four years without having a paycheck that exceeded my monthly expenses. And that's really stressful. You know, at the beginning, it's kind of okay. I still had my savings that slowly dwindled. Um, Making this decision to take the low paying job in Germany was a huge financial risk because I didn't really have savings to fall back on anymore. Um, And I it was also an added barrier to starting my life in Germany in a good, healthy, positive way, because I I would totally agree that you can't reach self-fulfillment and these personal growth goals when you're not sure if you can pay your bills. I think that stress is going to stand in your way time and time again. And it's not to say you can't learn something through that, but I mean, I was at my worst mental health in that last year of, of not having income because I, you know, I was in a foreign country. I didn't know if I could even get a waitressing job if I needed to, to, to make ends meet from, you know, from the point of view of a visa and all this. Um, there were so many stressors that I couldn't really think. Um, and I don't know if I really have any good tips other than I'm a huge saver. Mm-hmm. I really pinch pennies. Um, and I'm lucky enough to have hobbies and interests that are not expensive like I love reading which you can rent books from a library I like going on runs you just need one pair of jogging shoes and you're good you don't need all this equipment or anything like that so um, I would say if anyone's facing an upcoming period of financial strain what would be a good idea is to look at your life and look at what you actually really need versus what you think you need and what you want Um, because there were definitely some things that I thought I, I needed that 
when it came down to it, when I didn't have the money for it, didn't need it at all. I did not need it at all. I just was fine without it. Um, I, uh, I don't know how it is in Vienna, but in, in Freiburg, uh, a lot of people put out these boxes with their old clothes or knickknacks and it's, um, zum Verschenken. So it's just anyone Free can take, to take it. it. Yeah. Yeah. And I have many a pair of shoes and many clothes that have come from the street, from other people's trash, from that method. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I still do it, even now that I have income. Mm-hmm. And um, I, it was a lot of this, a lot of like, how can I look at this problem in a fun, creative way where it's not the money that I don't have, it's these other things that I'm going to do instead. Yeah, right. You can get so creative. Um, and and I love that you mentioned this because it really shows that sometimes it's actually okay to take a risk and to take a step back financially if it means that it's going to get you further in a certain, like in the long run. Do you know what I mean? So you took a risk. You kind of also took a step back financially, but um, I'm think everything is okay now right yeah I mean you're you're happy you did it (laughs) yeah I'm definitely happy with how it's all turned out um there was another stressful period before between when my internship ended and uh, I found a a real full-time job here in Freiburg um but before that started I had a gap of three months where I wasn't allowed to work but I also was not entitled to any social benefits, um, any unemployment or anything like that. Mm. So it was just watching the bank account dwindle and sitting around all day with nothing to do, but I wasn't allowed to go spend money on anything. So that was really stressful. And the, the last day before I got my first paycheck, I had one euro and 54 cents in my bank account. And um, it wasn't so scary because I knew the paycheck was coming and I have a partner who could have lent me money if I needed it. Um, but it's a real moment where you look, you know, you're sort of looking at the bottom of the well and you're like, okay, here we are. (laughs) What now? Um, so it was eye-opening, um, not always comfortable, but it taught me a lot and I'm just so much more appreciative of money now. I mean, I'm still a huge saver. I still hate spending money, but I'm almost a year into working and having paychecks and, um, People make way less money in Germany than they do in the U.S., um, and that might have been hard for me to accept five years ago. But right now, my my income feels excessive because it's four times, five times more than I was living off of a year ago. Um, and I think it's really good to have that perspective. Um, and I'm happy. I'm happy to have gone through it, and I hope that I maintain this perspective as I move forward into adult life yeah yeah but also a good lesson in there to have to have a safety net in place and that's something I've talked about before as well I think it's super important to to give yourself a bit of space because something unexpected might happen and also to give yourself the freedom to say maybe quit your job if you're not happy or whatever and not Mm -hmm. be so dependent um okay let's move on to your expat life because this is I mean the main topic of what you talk about on your podcast and how you struggled through that in the first coming years 
obviously I went through the exact same thing going to Stockholm but what were kind of the main struggles for you um, moving to Germany from the US and how did you get over those those hurdles I would say at first it was really fun and the issues were also fun you know like the cultural barriers were entertaining when I messed up it was kind of funny it was a good story to tell later on but when you're messing up day in and day out because you just don't know the rules of where you are it's exhausting and I'm a bit of a I'm not quite a perfectionist I just like to do my best and it got to me after a while I, uh, it was hard to accept that I can't be my best it's just not in the it's not in the cards right now um Finding my way career-wise was really a big stress for me um, because I was capable of so much. I love working. I love um, the work that I do in libraries. It's very community-focused, and it's enabling other people to better themselves and to improve their own lives. Um, that's really fulfilling for me. And so to not have that anymore was really upsetting. And it got to a point after my first year living abroad or maybe first eight or nine months, I was on the job hunt because my, my contract was ending. At this point, I knew I liked Freiburg enough that I wanted to stay. Mm. Um, and I was willing to make certain sacrifices. And I did not want to sacrifice my career, but I thought maybe I would have to. And trying to accept that was quite near impossible for me. <laughs> um, and that led to a lot of stress. And I think that's when I was at sort of my lowest point with the expat journey. And of course, you deal with things like homesickness and you deal with things like not having a friend group. But for me, the things that really stood out as the hardest is just your identity changes. You know, all of a sudden I'm the minority because I'm um, the foreigner in the room. All of a sudden I'm a five-year-old because I cannot express myself adequately. <laughs> I can't make jokes anymore. I can only make brief sentences like a kid could. Um, and to be an adult and to have full thoughts and feelings and this expectation that I can share those with people and have that taken away was really hard. Um, and even though I wanted to give up this idea that money and career success are your value, it was still hard to, to be so humbled as to, you know, work this internship where I was more qualified than my boss in some ways. Yeah. Um, it's, it's hard to swallow that pill and it's easy to second guess your choices and it can feel really isolating. And that's actually where my, my podcast started from. Um, the, the moments where I felt like maybe I could make it work were when I talked to other expats about their experiences when I was working at an American cultural center. And so I was meeting all these people every day who had great stories to tell. They had wonderful resources to connect me with that helped me get by. Um, and I, that's how I got through and I kept, couldn't help but thinking, you know, this is a, this is a waste if it's only coming towards me, like this yeah. information is so valuable and these feelings of identifying with others are so important. How can I give them on to other people? Um, so that's why I started the podcast and that's sort of still my, my goal till today is, is trying to help people out and help people connect with each other and everyone's going to have these moments where they feel so low and alone. And if 
you can just pop in headphones and hear someone talking about the very topic that's making you feel alone. It's powerful and it can really help. So yeah, that's what I try to do. But um, I got to say, I mean, having gone through all those experiences in one year was a huge drain and um, you know, power to power to expats all over the world or anyone who's living abroad in any capacity. That's, it's not an easy thing to do and uh, good on you if you're making it work. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree. Was there any point where you kind of thought about moving back home and you kind of decided to stay anyway? I don't think I ever quite reached that point. My lowest point, I remember a friend asked me, hey, how are things going? What's, uh, are you liking Freiburg now that you're settled in? And um, I said, I'm like, I was sitting there visibly depressed and nearly crying just because yeah. he asked me a question. And I said, um, I really like Freiburg. I just don't think that Freiburg likes me. Which is a really melodramatic and sad thing to say, but it's really how I felt at the time. <laughs> and um, and it was true. I mean, I, I always liked Freiburg. I always liked Germany and I always wanted to stay. But it was really hard to communicate that with people when I'm sitting there crying, you know, like, <laughs> how, how can people understand that I actually want to stay and that I am happy here? Because technically speaking... I'm not really happy, <laughs> but I, I have some kind of connection to this place and, um, and moving back has thus far not been something that I've wanted. Um, right. Even in my moments, it's how can I stay? How many, you know, steps down the ladder do I have to take to be able to stay? Right. And maybe... I mean, just moving place is not going to fix all your problems either, right? Maybe right, exactly. it's just something something else that's actually the problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that's really what I learned through that experience was, you know, I, I, I'd always professed that I don't, you know, I don't, I don't judge other people based on their career success or their academic success, um, but I do hold myself to a certain standard and... Um, facing that head on when I thought it was being taken away from me or I thought that I was giving it up um, made me realize that I, I, as much as I believe these things for other people, I didn't believe these things for me. You know, other rules applied to me. I, I needed it to be um, this successful person. I needed it to be career driven. I needed um, good income, all these things. It was a really valuable experience of giving the time for my ideals and my the way I treat myself and act in the world to sort of come closer together and get on the same level. Because previously I was professing that I don't care, but I was acting like I did. Where do you think that came from? Because I can so relate to that. <laughs> I don't know really what it is. I mean, both of my parents grew up fairly poor. I mean, not terrible, um, but they never had a lot of money. And so they both have a lot of instincts to be very frugal and to work really hard. And mm. so of course I learned a lot of that from them. And I think those are really great things. Like it, I couldn't have lived this life if I wasn't frugal and if I didn't work hard. Um, I think some of it's cultural. I mean, American culture really rewards people for 
hard work and dedication, um, in my opinion, beyond a point that's healthy. I, I think a lot of it also comes from like a desire to be independent, but a fear that I can't be. You know, if I can have a good career with financial stability, that means um, that I can be independent, right? But if I yeah. fail on those fronts, then I have to be dependent on someone. Totally know where you're coming from, but also I see like how society or like people basically pat you on the back when you're like working super long hours or like any time I've ever posted something on social media that I've been in the office like to nine or ten people are like woohoo and I'm like yeah, yeah that's not no I mean it happened it, I don't do it that often because I'm I always say I'm actually quite good at being the type of person who says no that's enough like I need to take time off and I still judge myself for being that type of person because it's seen in society as like being the hustling is amazing you know until you until you hit your burnout and then you kind of have the shit but um yeah, I think we we touched on so many topics. We could <laughs> we could keep going for days, but it's been an absolute lovely chat, Nicole. And um, if people want to listen more about the expat stories, they can hop on over to your podcast. I would like to wrap up with my final question, which I ask every single guest. Um, if you could go back to your twenty year old self, who's sitting in a in a Chinese restaurant and she gets a, a fortune cookie and there could be like one piece of advice that you would give to yourself back then. What would that piece of advice be? Oh man, that's <laughs> such a good question. <laughs> uh, as you probably caught on, I'm a rambler. I can just keep talking. And so having to cut it down to a fortune cookie length. You know, that's a good challenge. Um, I think looking back at it all, I, you know, the thing that's been consistent through it all is me. And um, every time that I've trusted myself and done what I felt was right, even if it made no sense to anyone else, those tend to be the decisions that I'm happiest with. So I think I would try to formulate something. It would have to sound cool and it would have to be somewhat mystical sounding because that's what fortune cookies are. But it would be something along the lines of stop, listen to yourself, trust yourself, keep going. Awesome. And you're 27 now. Where is the rest of your 20s going? Do you have any plans or dreams where you kind of want the next years to come? the next years to go, how you're going to make the very most of your 20s? It's such a good question. And I think I'm at a weird, I'm at an unexpected moment (laughs) where after four straight years of hustling and and working hard to get somewhere, I actually just want to enjoy where I am. So for the first time in my life, I have 30 vacation days. I have income coming in every month. I have a great apartment, a great relationship, a great group of friends, and a city I love. Um, so much about my life has been based on change and and drive. And I'm really trying for right now. I don't know about the, the rest of my 20s totally, but the next year, year and a half, I want to just enjoy it. I, I want to travel. I want to spend time with people who matter to me. I want to um, 
you know, start making a few more decisions that aren't based on what's the cheapest option. You know, I am at a point where I can stretch a little bit financially. And so I want to try to take advantage of that. And at the same time, I've definitely learned that I need a certain level of challenge. Um, So I want to keep pushing myself creatively to keep putting out this podcast, to grow it. To publish your novel. Yeah, I mean, that too. Like, I would love to be able to to do that. And um, one of the most important things I've learned through living abroad is to do the thing that you think you'll probably fail if you do it, because either you fail and you learn from it or you succeed. And a shocking amount of times recently, I've been succeeding. So I've, I've just been on this role of signing myself up to do stuff that I think that I'm going to fail at. And um I want to keep doing that. It's been really fun and it's really pushed my comfort zone and my knowledge of what I'm capable of. Um, For instance, I ran a half marathon recently. I'm doing a live podcast event. All these things I only signed up for because I thought it would go terribly or it wouldn't wouldn't happen at all. And um, turns out things like that can happen and um, all you have to do is give it a go. So that's my plan for the next couple of years is... On one hand, stay comfortable and enjoy your time. On the other hand, keep pushing and and see where you can go with it. Amazing. That's super inspirational. And yeah, I think we actually have similar stages. So thanks so much for taking the time, Nicole. Where can people find you, follow your journey, where it goes from here and out? They can listen to my podcast. It's called The Expat Cast. Anywhere that you're listening to this podcast right now, you can also find the expat cast. So just give it a quick search. Um, you can also find us on Twitter and on Instagram at the expat cast. Um, and I will say, and I will say on Instagram, I tend to share a little bit more of my personal journey. Um, I'm typically the one interviewing people. So I, you know, focus more on, on them. Um, so Instagram is a really good place to go to, to get a little bit more insight to where my head's at. Um, but this was such an absolute blast to chat. And it's really cool how, you know, you and I can connect, even though we've never met just through all these shared experiences. Yeah. Um, and I know you're you're creating so many moments for your listeners where they feel either relief that someone else is also going through this experience and or these moments of, oh, that's such a good idea or tip or inspiration. So I wanted to first off, thank you for, for doing show. Um, and second off, thank you for having me on as a guest. It was a blast. Oh, wow. Thanks. I don't think anybody's ever said such an amazing thing. And hearing those kind of things keeps me going because you might uh, know about it too. I definitely have my doubts at times where I'm like, why am I doing this? <laughs> Thanks so much, Nicole, for, for being on. Thank you for having me. It was a blast. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode with Nicole. I absolutely loved chatting to her. We had such a deep, meaningful convo. And actually, we recorded an episode over on her podcast as well, on the Expatcast. So you can hop on over there if you want to hear my journey, my expat journey, or my journey of being a kid with two homes. And I've lived in many countries yeah I just quickly wanted to share my thoughts and 
my experiences when it comes to expat life at the end of this episode as I usually do and my thoughts on what we talked about. So first of all the biggest learning I think from talking to Nicole and her journey is the fact that success or success perceived by others doesn't always make you happy so she talked a lot about how everybody said she was so successful in college she finished early graduated early and for her it didn't feel like success and it really resonated with my experience of graduating my bachelor degree and at the time I didn't even celebrate it I didn't do my graduation ceremony it's one of my biggest regrets actually and really had taught me to basically to celebrate the small successes even if they seem like small successes because basically that's a part of the journey and you're always looking at the next thing or the next goal you can reach and sometimes you forget to look back and say hey look how far I've come and um, I think it's important to to basically even if it doesn't feel like a success to, to still look back and give yourself a tap on the shoulder and say like hey look I did that but also that it's okay to not feel like that's your success and to realize that okay this was something I was working towards because everybody else said this is success and this is what will make me feel good but actually that's not true for everyone and I've talked about this on the podcast before is the fact that you need to define your own success and not let other people define it for you um also how important it is to find your tribe and what big of a difference it can make um, nicole talked about her experience of people kind of going out and partying a lot and um her not identifying with that and um i mean there's different phases and stages you go through but honestly i've talked about this I think before but I will mention it here again like surrounding yourself with the right people is so freaking life-changing and the best best experience I can share with you now is I actually started working from home when I started my own business um, before and I was alone a lot and I was really really a lot of fears came up a lot of doubt I was having a very hard time getting started and then at some stage I decided okay fuck it I'm just gonna move into an office space I luckily had a really great opportunity and I made kind of a financial investment and I took a risk and um, it was the best thing I could have done because basically I was instantly put into a field where other people were doing the exact same thing that I was and even they were a couple of steps ahead and showed me that it's possible. And then things started to pick up and my business started to pick up and the risk definitely was worth it. So that's super important. And last but not least was the fact that I love this about Nicole's story is the fact that how life recorrects you onto your path again. And she worked in the marketing area at a startup and stuff and that was fine and I'm sure she learned like tons and now she can apply it to her expat cast and she can apply it to also her librarian career and stuff. But I love the fact that she came back to her roost, like went back to loving books and working in libraries, something she always wanted to do. And that was one of my biggest learnings in my 20s as well 
um, was the fact that sometimes it's actually not that difficult to figure out what you want to do. It's actually going back to what you actually always wanted to do or were good at when you were younger. You just forgot about it along the way at some stage or you you started pursuing someone else's expectations or dreams and that was just a lovely lovely story to share and I had a similar experience with that when it came to my job as well so last year I did an episode on why quick three jobs in one year (laughs) which taught me a lot but also came with a lot of shame I'm actually okay talking about it now you can go back and listen to the episode if you want to find out more but um basically I went in a whole other direction career-wise and the biggest learning out of that was the fact that I didn't actually have to change career paths completely I had already built a strong foundation a foundation that I actually enjoyed and I got a bit whacked off my path and life kind of set me back on that again so yeah I hope you enjoyed my little ending here and of course the chat with Nicole um be sure to subscribe and follow the Quartz Life Living podcast leave a review uh that would help me out a lot in the iTunes store or share it with your friends and family over whatever channels you want um you can also send me a voice note now in dms on instagram if you want a more intimate chat and me not just chatting one way down the microphone i would love to hear your thoughts on expat life i know a lot of you are expats so let me know what you think and i look forward to the next episode bye